0: be able to tell if the things crap out on us but otherwise i'll do a quick like sound match i don't have any i don't have the cool how you doing one day i'll get there i got i mean there's so much stuff i still need to like i want to get but i'm in that weird catch 22 situation still where it's like i need the money to get the good shit on the production side? Or yeah, like, a, production like side? a new audio interface, like one new mixer so I can get, I can use all my mics without issues because having the good technology will prevent user error. Because right now, like all the mistakes with audio and stuff are pretty much on me because I'm not, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no one else. That's it. It's everything is on me. <laughs> uh, so I want to get that. I want to get a better, like an actual camera, because I do a lot of, I a lot of times I want to look up stuff on my phone, um, because I got this other stuff on the mm-hmm. screen here, and it's a pain in the ass to do that. And then eventually, I'll lead to getting better mics for guests. And
1: what about, um, like people calling
0: in? Like that's another if, thing I want to like, do. Somebody
1: just call in, and you can work in the phone conversation.
0: Yeah, into the video. I think that's a combination of getting like the tech audio side good to go. And then also like the program available to do that so that they can call in and I can, I can hear it live while I'm recording. Cause right now all the videos that I add in, like when I say I'm going to pop this video up, it's all in post. So I'm just guessing what it's going to sound like while I'm recording. And then afterwards I have to try to match up. Like this is where I said the video is going to pop. So I'm going to pop the video up here. Whereas like, the big timers, they'll be like, hey, check out this video. And they pop it up while they're recording. They're watching the video. And you can hear that live with them. So um, they also have producers and a following and money. So it's just one those of those things. Team. They got a whole team. I'm looking at my notes. I'm already laughing. So <laughs> I hope <laughs> you're just going to do All right, Jabronis, we're back. Got to plug my computer in here. We got a- another special guest. I promise big things. I ran my dick sucker long enough about having big things coming, and we got big things. Okay, we had Carrie in the last episode, Instagram famous Carrie, and now we got an even more special guest to me personally. And sorry, I, Carrie, and definitely to the <laughs> Junction. I know is sorry, Terrence, Terrence Dolan. Thanks for finally being here. Great to be here. It has been a long time coming. We've been trying to get this in the works for a while. I know, you know, everybody knows you got the kid you got to take care of. So it's been tough, you know, logistically making it happen. So thanks it's, it's good here. to be on this side of it. I've been been a, a listener and a viewer for so long. Um, this is kind of surreal. And a top character for the junction. I mean, you're you top two. It's you and sausage and peppers are easily the most talked about characters. Oh, yeah. So they character, concerned parent. Yeah, <laughs> it all works. <laughs> There, I mean, maybe
1: if you're putting your kid to bed before. Well, <laughs> oh, this, is, this is a reunion of locker room talk. Did, it is. Does, does your audience know about locker room?
0: Talk? I think I might have mentioned it a little bit in passing with my brother, Nikki Sticks, one time where we were talking about, I think, the origin of Sorry Terrence. He was asking mm-hmm. me, and I was like, well, funny story. We actually had a plan in place years ago. It was really the start of the whole podcast industry. I think so, too. It was, bef- it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get more into that for sure. I actually have that in my notes of hot topics we got to hit that the people are, the people yeah. are asking about. But yeah. before we do that, you know the drill. We'll knock out the important stuff first, the administrivia, and we'll uh, step into the cage. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's run. All right, today's Into the Cage segment is proudly sponsored by Edwin's Pumpkin Spice Enemas. <laughs> Autumn is upon us, and we all know that means Pumpkin Spice is back and the basic bitches are on the prowl for it. Well, now, you don't have to worry about waiting in those long lines at Star Schmucks for a PSL with a new Edwin's PS enema. You see, with an Edmonds, an Edwin's, Hello. All you have to do is shove the custom-fitted enema right up your whale eye and fire that pumpkin spice goodness directly into your rectum for instant pumpkin spice bliss. So to get yours today, visit www.pumpkinspicepooper.com and use the promo code AUTUMNASSHOLE for 0.29% off. Great. I don't know about the deal, <laughs> not even a 1%, but something. You can, we, we work with it, you know. When do you write these? I mean, these are real sponsors, Terrence. (laughs) They write themselves. (laughs) How do you find these companies? I mean, they kind of reach out. Mm. Mm. No, I write them usually if I see something in the ether, like on TV or in passing. uh, Depending on where I am, I'll either take a quick note on my phone or I'll, I'll have my trusty notebook with me and I'll just get to sketching. It's wonderful. Yeah. The problem is they're not real. They're not getting, I'm not getting any income off it. So Uh the goal is one day I'm not even going to mention, I'm just going to shock the world with a real sponsor and you're never going to know if it's real or fake. Right? (laughs) Maybe Edwin's will be real one day, but um, I got a cage fact again. It's I always offer it up to the guests, but it's not one of those like guilt trip situations with Carol Labretti situations where I'm going to make you do it. So I snagged one. It's kind of an update from a couple episodes ago where I mentioned his alleged drunken uh, disorderly situation in that steakhouse in Vegas. Well, an update to that is he's recovered from the alleged incident and he was seen like the next day back on set with Demi Moore. They're filming his next movie. It's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Now, that movie is about it's a it's a fictional version of Nick Cage who is like hired by some super rich like Mexican drug lord to perform at his kid's party or something like that. That's the premise of the movie. He's Nick Cage, he's like a cartoon version of Nick Cage which I can only imagine what that looks like and he's hired to go perform and be fake Nick Cage at this party apparently. So I think he was probably just if if he was actually that was actually Nick Cage in that steakhouse. He was probably just in character. I have to imagine he wasn't just. He's a method actor. He is. He really gets. He really gets involved. Now, do
1: you think he took this part because he's
0: passionate about the script? I'd say so. Or the headlines are saying that he's broke. I mean, the headlines have been saying that for years. But if you do remember from months and months back we did talk a little bit about how he came out talking about several times how he takes on roles because he just loves working and despite and i think he specifically mentioned despite everyone saying he's taking on these roles just because he needs the money he's just likes working he said yeah. and he also said he's never going to retire so which I'm excited about <laughs> <laughs> But that's the uh, that's the cage fact. That's that's great. Yeah, so we'll just roll right into the uh, the old junction there. Spin the logo up. Um, I, ha- I I want to talk about a lot of shit, but we have to kind of cage the conversation a little bit. Sure. Um, I do want to. I, I guess for the people who don't remember or don't know um, the like the the fame and and legend that is Sorry Terrence, how that's how that all started. Yeah, I
1: mean, so I've got a two and a half year old. And um, you know, when the the whole LPDS first started, thought it was a great opportunity to expose him to some some different media, some different um, you know, different bedtime
0: stories. Sure. And uh if you know, treat them like an adult, they're eventually gonna learn how to be an adult. If you treat them like a kid.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
0: and you know, we
1: we found out pretty quickly. In the first or second episode, that this probably wasn't appropriate for two-year-old bedtime um, literature. So um you know, just just kind of tried to gloss over some of the, the colorful language that, sure. that uh, you sometimes employ here. Um but uh yeah, I think I would shoot you a text message or give you a call every time I heard something that um wasn't really. Pusher for a two-year-old.
0: It was a few times. It was one of those where it was like, the message was not from Terrence, my friend. It was from a concerned. It was like a concerned Yelp review, like, "Hey, be mindful of your audience."
1: Yeah, and (laughs) and, you know, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than my family and I. You know, I want to see this whole thing flourish just as much as anyone. And you're just not going to get there without you know, being uh, kid friendly. So, you know, I'm trying to do my part here to help yeah. you along.
0: I'll make sure I, uh, I change all the settings on YouTube to kid friendly, but after
1: three or four times of, of pinging me on that, you just kind of started to brush it off and say, sorry, Terrence. And that's where,
0: and that's where it led. Kinda, well, I wanted uh, to let stout. you know, as, as I try to do is I always try to take in feedback and there's tough, it's tough to actually prove to people that I'm actually receiving that. So, mm. You know, the yeah. first couple of times I you know saw that, I was like, Well, I'm s- sorry about that, Terrence. Yeah. I know I know the big guys listening as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got some feedback. It's
1: a work in progress. We got some feedback from
0: daycare with him dropping swear words. but F bombs and jabroni, yeah. calling kids beta bitch boys. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if that's his first words, he could do a lot worse. He could do a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your wife wouldn't be happy, but
1: well, she's a fan too. You know, we uh we'll try to sit down and listen altogether every
0: now and then so Um, by the fire yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay well fireside chat from lpds (laughs) oh that is a big mistake on your (laughs) part buddy (laughs) but that's the origin and it is it's snowballed because i'll get text messages from fans and people who listen on a regular basis and they'll just when are you getting terrence on Tell me this, what's the, what is the, who's the Terrence? Why is this kid listening? (laughs) All this stuff, everything. You're, you're not hated though.
1: This is going to be disappointing for everyone. This is, this is a lot of buildup to just a boring has-been father.
0: Just a guy trying to take care of his family. Just trying, trying to keep the language on track. (laughs) On track. That's all. (laughs) Sorry guys. (laughs) Family show. But that's that. Well, um, I mean, it,
1: it's good to, to be behind the mic again. I mean, we didn't even have mics when we were doing locker room. TV. No. We so, a,
0: Greg, I'm glad you brought that up, too.
1: Sitting on a bookshelf. so Yeah,
0: it was, a, it was a, like a digital camera that also took video. It yep. wasn't even meant yep. for that. Yep. And you had the, the wild idea at the time. Again, it was ahead of its time by years of, hey, let's watch some movies with this recording. And we'll just continue to review these movies while we also drink. It was
1: inspired by a few things, but primarily mystery science theater uh, on the sci-fi network. Mm-hmm. That was that, that old show where the, the three, you know, shadow heads would, re, would just watch clips of, of old movies and just bash them and just rip on them. <laughs> and, you know, we thought, why not watch movies that we actually want to talk about and yeah and, and still <laughs> that people all know them. about, yeah, <laughs> and also
0: rip on yeah. them. Um and we you still have the footage, we never put it out. I think you watched it. I still have not seen the whole thing because yeah. we were getting pretty banged up by the end of the I mean, we watched like three or four movies
1: that night. Yeah. And the way that we filmed it was just straight, straight shot, just just a single clip
0: yeah so so six hours or something of footage
1: yeah just a massive file to try to edit on a computer (laughs) yeah once it crashed once i just kind of gave up and that was the end of locker room talk that's right but um the the commentary was good and it was just uh we had a lot to say uh i actually found the notes that we took on oh really on over the top wow yeah (laughs)
0: I don't even remember what I, I wrote.
1: I was cleaning some stuff up and I found this piece of paper and I was like, "That's not my handwriting." And then I started to read through it. <laughs> like, oh, and it was about little little kid being in the army and, oh, that's and, right. and giving uh, Sylvester Stallone a hard time about eating steak
0: at the diner. Yeah, like don't eat red meat and a lot of good good nuggets. Damn there. it! I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first, and I was probably like one of the subconscious like drivers to me doing this thing because yeah. it wasn't too much longer after. Yeah, a couple years after. Um, I finally pulled the trigger on this show. But... Yeah, we did uh, Over the Top. We
1: did Sudden Death, which yeah. you had never seen before. No, that was
0: first time. So that's the first Damme, reaction. Yeah. Pittsburgh
1: Penguins game. I was going to
0: say, that's the hockey one, yep. right? Yeah, great
1: story. Uh, <laughs> Timeless. <laughs> great, great family fun. Um, and then we did Executive Decision. Yeah. Now, I, I want to get your take on that film um, being an Air Force guy. Where does Executive Decision stand in the the pantheon of
0: aviation films? As far as like people being all like time. liking it all oh. time overall, it's not up there. It's not talked about. In fact, that might have been the first time I've seen it all the way through as well. Let me make it easier for you. Where does Executive Decision stand? In all-time
1: aviation achievements in general.
0: <laughs> film or otherwise.
1: Chuck Yeager. Charles Lindbergh. Jeff Bezos.
0: <laughs> executive decision? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, if people haven't seen it, it's... We know it's Holly Berry's best movie. Probably one
1: of her best, if not best, yeah. Steven I don't Seagal's I'm, in it for five minutes.
0: Probably his best movie
1: too. So he knew it was going to be a strong enough film where with his ego... He knew he wasn't going to be the star of it. So he bowed out quickly. What other film does he do that in? No, He doesn't do that.
0: And that was a that was thing too about it was like he was out so quickly in the movie. I thought it was a trick like, oh, he'll be back. Because most of the time, him. yeah, most of the time they die and they come back as a bad guy or something. So that's what I was banking on. And yeah. it wasn't the case. Yeah. It wasn't about it. It was bigger than him. His yeah. executive decision. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a tough one. Yep. Um, and I think that same night after we recorded... Um, we watched The Burbs. <laughs> yeah. The Tom Hanks That's classic. Right. Yeah. Not, sort of
1: off-brand for Locker Room Talk. You know, the, the films that we kind of targeted. Yeah, we were
0: targeting effort. like 80s. 80s macho action. Realistic action, yeah. Realistic. Very, very realistic. <laughs> With uh, Sudden Death sudden over de- the top. Yeah. Another. I mean, Nicky Sticks will know all those movies for sure. A lot of people will know those movies for sure. But for the people who don't, like, if you you got to go watch these i we'll try to get that footage onto a computer yeah um we could probably get it done now because yeah. it's been a couple of years I think I got a better machine now but we'll i'll we'll sift through it over time and, and we had put it too. out there we
1: had lined up uh above the law hard to kill
0: yeah a, a lot of others yeah. I don't remember exactly all the stuff we ended up getting on that mm-hmm. on that one that one night but it was yeah. a good time yep and it's it, again it sparked this pretty much one of the one of the big fjords if you will yeah um and again i thought it was a great idea we we got we both got busy with work then the family happened not for me but for you um and it just maybe we'll go back to it we'll try it again i don't know maybe yeah, no, maybe not is. they won't go back to <laughs> yeah <it>. we'll never <laughs> do it again um but that also sort of sparked kind of what we want to talk about today was is die hard. Mm. So I know you listened to our Hans Gruber debate, like the Gruber brothers, how you doing between myself and my brother from last year. Die hard has come
1: up frequently.
0: Um, yeah. Throughout
1: multiple episodes. There was, I think that was episode six talking about the Gruber brothers. Right. So is Gruber focused? It also came up. During one of your holiday episodes, talking about Christmas
0: movies. Christmas movies, yeah, is one of the uh, one of the movies that people voted on as a Christmas movie. Yeah, we're going
1: to talk about that a little bit later too. Sure,
0: I know you got extensive notes, which I I love when people come prepared, and I'm not driving the conversation because I'm not good at that. Clearly, yeah, I've got a
1: lot to say. I'm just
0: trying to put it down on tape. That's right. <laughs> you, I don't know if anyone will get that one. So, do you
1: remember? The first time you watched Die Hard. You're probably too young.
0: I, yeah, I was young. You just I sort of. And it was not the whole. It wasn't like beginning to end. I just remember probably just the action portion of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was in
1: the 90s. Especially when it's always played on TV. It's probably the first time you saw it. It's like versus sitting down and popping in.
0: Die yeah, hard. I think actually the first time I saw it. Well, the first time I remember seeing it, it was on HBO. Mm. Because I remember it specifically, it was uncensored, mm-hmm. and then um, they always play the replays on like TNT yeah. or WPIX, and that's where they have the the like the censored dub overs yep. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Which are phenomenal for drama. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's then I re- and then I remember those specifically because I think my grandfather, as he always did, recorded it on VHS for mm-hmm. us with commercials and all. Yeah, 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 and. Yeah all the sensory that was in there was, was incredible. It, it didn't it didn't ruin the movie. It made it like a different kind of movie almost because it was so not even close to what they were actually saying. And taping off the TV is kind of a,
1: a nostalgic.
0: Yeah, like, it's like, a, I mean, there, a lost skill, you know, if you,
1: you will. You have the movies you grew up with that you would watch off of those taped VHS tapes. Yeah. And that was your only exposure to that film for a long time.
0: A long time. Terminator we 2. taped
1: big off of TV Ooh. and for
0: with commercials,
1: with everything. Yeah. With commercial pizza commercials, <laughs> all that. And up until about five years ago, I thought that the movie started with him working at Macmillan toys. That's I had no, I had no idea. There was a whole him as a kid before the whole Zoltar thing. Yeah. So I didn't know what was going on. Is that, that
0: because that's where, that's where the recording started? The recording started was him sitting at the that's desk great. at
1: McMillan toys.
0: There's, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it might have been Terminator 2 that my grandfather recorded, where the first 10 minutes of the video was the last 10 minutes of Death Wish. (laughs) It was one of those movies, it was Death Wish, and then that ended, and then right into Terminator or whatever it was, that Jones, something like that. Yeah, we
1: had, you know, that three quarters of big, and then it kept recording beyond that. And they played, like, back-to-back Cheers episodes after. Oh, that's good, too. <laughs> so those. Yeah. Which <laughs> those. is always good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's good, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of Cheers. But, yeah, um, yeah I remember distinctly, like, all the dub-overs in, in Die Hard. Because they actually have videos out there where they where they show, like, the best shitty dub-overs yeah. from movies. And yeah. Die Hard's always in there yeah. with, like, Mr. Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, which is... Nobody in any of the Die Hard movies is named Falcon. No, no. But they can't say motherfucker. Nope. So they got to say Mr. Falcon.
1: Let alone the, the tone of the voice not being close no. to Bruce Willis.
0: It's a guy trying to be Bruce Willis, which is great. Like You would think, like hey, especially back then when they knew everything had to be on family television at the time. It couldn't just stream or whatever. Yep, yep. Just, hey, while we have you here. Say this, you know, do this cut or whatever. Just give us the audio only.
1: I want to say in Die Hard two, they may be the worst. I know that there's there's some bad ones in the first Die Hard, but I feel yeah. like there are frequent dub overs with the the whole airport and Dulles and there know, was being out on the runway. Well,
0: what's his name? Um, Sipowitz. What's his real name? Uh, Dennis Franz. Mm-hmm. He's an angry guy. Yeah, yeah, and they let him go in the real movie. Yeah, so they yeah. had to dub a lot of shit yeah. over for him. So yeah. yeah, it was out of control and, and it was so bad that it made it enjoyable to watch that too. So even as a kid, it was, it becomes its own little novelty. Yeah. And that there's a couple movies that are like that. One of them, uh, big Lebowski. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. dubbed over version of that. Yep. That's a good one. But what, where do your notes start for this movie? Cause I have a couple of, just, you know, hot topics Well, let, that I'm sure you're going to
1: cover. So let's... I, mine kind of go chronologically
0: Yeah, the film. So. Mine are more just, like, character-based that are going to spark some stories. So,
1: basic synopsis. You have John McClane, New York City cop, flying... I mean, the movie opens with him on the plane. Yeah. Flying out to L.A. With that weird guy
0: next to him. the businessman. Yeah. You don't like flying, huh? That... And I I forgot about his suggestion to McLean. So, so
1: yeah, I did not remember that about scrunching up the toes. Yeah, where he makes fists with yeah, the toes. Right.
0: And I watched this a couple nights ago and I immediately gagged because <laughs> right. that's my thing. You're and I was like, guy. and I was like, man, I don't remember this part of the movie. And yeah. I'm, I'm pissed that I, I should have just fast forwarded through it because that was his thing. He's like, yeah. Take your shoes and socks off and make fists with your toes on the carpet. Yeah. That's disgusting yeah. in itself. Uh, on the gross and hotel then, carpet. And he's, so, yeah, then you're in a hotel. Like right. that's the most disgusting right. carpet you can do next to an airport. I was, uh, and then he tried it.
1: Well, I mean, it was, what was that? I think it his was Ellis's bathroom. 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 Was it yeah. Or okay.
0: Yeah. It was because she was talking about how she's eyeing his office with the private bathroom.
1: See, this reads to me as, the writers knew that they wanted later in the movie to have him be barefoot, the barefoot to deal with thing. the glass, and yeah. they didn't know how to get him there. Short yeah. of Home Alone, Tar on the steps, right? Right,
0: which would have also been a great addition. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they really racked their brain for right. how do we make right. how do we make him take his shoes off?
1: Right. Well, he
0: doesn't like flying,
1: like yeah. big macho John McClane. I mean, they made him vulnerable in the first thirty seconds, right? right? They
0: made him realistic. Right. That's how you. That's how they catch you. Like yeah. this is a guy you can right. relate to, right? And I mean it worked I guess. <laughs> so he lands um he gives the flight attendant
1: kind of a look walking off the plane. Yeah. Did you catch that?
0: Oh yeah. And it made me think she gave the look back though. What's uh this I, I
1: caught it as clear the aisle. So there's also the the exiting the plane etiquette that he just totally botched.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have he much gr- etiquette he gra- at all. Grabbed
1: the overhead bag and
0: yeah. And, well, he doesn't When's have it? etiquette much etiquette in the party, too. I'll talk about that in a second. So is this
1: gonna get into the the John McClain is really the villain Nick conversation? No, this is not that.
0: we're not putting on the diehard right. tinfoil hats like Nikki Sticks tried yeah, to do last Nick. year. Yeah. But no, um he gave that look. She gave like a like a flirty, I'm into it look kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I am no expert in getting that look, but that's what it looked like to. So he does that. It reminded me. Do you remember in Die Hard two when he was trying to get the facts from the from the mm-hmm. airport? Yeah, yeah, or the yeah, airport. Yeah, yeah. I right,
1: mean, right.
0: the the flight services women are all yeah, over McLean. Right. And he
1: does the the voiceless mouthing "thank you." Yeah, while he's, on, well, the he's phone. on the phone.
0: Yeah, and she loved that. Yeah, and and then she offered. She wanted to take him out to a drink, which we know what that means. And, and he that, that's when he did this? Yeah, he, yeah, was, he, yeah. he stayed strong. He, he loves
1: doing this. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he hates his wife. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> hates
1: being married. Loves the ring.
0: Yeah, he loves doing that. He also loves giving shit to his wife whenever possible yep. when she's trying to be nice to him. Yep. Yep. Um. So, yeah, he does that. He gives that look. No etiquette. Exits the, the, the plane, gets into the airport,
1: finds his ride. And this is right. where right. we get introduced to Argyle.
0: Yeah, like which was a good character. Um, <laughs> over under 10 years old for that actor. I don't know. Oh, it's the 80s, so anything played back then. They probably he probably had one of those uh handwritten birth certificates that said I'm 18. Uh, I could be a part yeah. in this, but the Daniel Monte. Right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> but he and it looks like they glued a mustache on him because it was all sweaty. Like, his facial hair that he had. this he could is our hardly guy see out.
1: over the steering wheel.
0: Yeah, he was... so He must have he been a director's son or
1: something. So, he wanted to chit-chat, okay? He's a social guy. Yeah. I think that line of business, it's hit or miss. He right? said
0: he used to be a cabbie where right. people wanted right. to talk. So, they,
1: they tried to explain that. Here's what got me with that whole scene when they're driving to the Nakatomi building.
0: John McClane sitting in the front seat. Yeah. Have you, have you ever done that? With the limousine? No. They I'll, I'll say this, though, because there are a number of times throughout the movie where they they look like there are plot holes. That's one of them. When they pull up to Nakatomi building, there's not a car out there, not a person walking around. Yep. And immediately I thought, like, this is not realistic. And as soon as they walk in, the secure. what does the security guard say to him? OK, they're the old like talks right. about the party. All right. So so McLean walks in and he
1: asks for. Uh, holly mcclain right or, or he's asking you know the security guards like can i help you yeah and he's like i'm here to see me. holly McLean," right. and he goes just yeah so he's, then he kind of brushes him off and says just punching in there right clean starts searching for the name and that's when he says cute toy you know, technology like uh-huh. you know yeah. i need this and i can taste the dirt yeah know, know which way they went <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? i can
0: smell them getting off the elevator so he
1: punches it in Eventually finds her under Gennaro. That bothers him. Yeah, that spark. Immediately, it stuck with immediately he's in a bad mood.
0: Yeah, and it's stuck. And it's stuck with him. It's stuck with
1: him through the whole movie. He, yeah, I mean, he was killing people the whole movie. Based
0: off of that alone, although- right,
1: because of that, it got him off on <laughs> the wrong really foot got- for the, the yeah. holiday
0: party. Bad luck for Hans Gruber. <laughs>
1: right, and they punch it in. He finds it, and the security guard goes, "Oh yeah, they're at the party on the thirtieth floor. They're the only the left one was in there. the building." Yeah. Well, then, what did you what? make me search for her name for?
0: What an asshole. Yeah. What? He knew. He what? wanted nothing. Yeah, go, go ahead and punch it in. Yeah.
1: The building's empty except for the 30th floor.
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna make you They're work for to it. Yeah, I'm gonna make you work right. for it. But real quick going back to the limo, that he sat in the front. Of it. it was weird, but they they made the mention to like to kind of close the loop on that, where he said, I've never been in a limo before. Yeah. yeah. And then what's his name made mention of like, he had all the garbage Argo right, had right, his right, trash right, and he's right. like, he didn't think you were going to sit in the front right? because right. that's his first time. He didn't know how to react to a limo. Well,
1: later on when, when uh, Takagi is talking to him and he says, I, I trust your, your ride was enjoyable. And yeah, the plane says, Do I have you to thank for that? I'm like, well, you shouldn't really be thanking anyone since you sat in the front seat. You yeah, you didn't he did. use
0: it properly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, what kind of detective are you? You don't want to use a limo? Like, Why did I send the limo for you? <laughs> you yeah. sat in the front seat. He should have said the cab. <laughs> or guy would have been driving that too. Right. But he was a little like he was on guard during when he walked into the party. Because oh. he was trying to be nice, but it was it was still coming off as like short, like. Takagi doesn't know your history with his, with your wife. He just got off a long flight. So I understand
1: he's probably tired. Doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. A bunch of drunk people. Right. And then the Gennaro. And then as he's walking through now, I missed whether he grabbed the wrong glass or somebody offered him champagne, the caterer and handed him Something that was red.
0: It's like a vodka cranberry right. or something, looking drink. So I don't
1: know if they handed him the wrong drink or he just took the wrong thing off the tray.
0: Right. During filming, I mean, or he as part of the sip. story. It's
1: part of the story. I don't know who's at fault there. Because he mm. takes a sip and makes Doesn't a face like any, and yet he makes the guy take it. Then you get the random drunk guy comes up and says, Merry Christmas. Uh, hugs kisses him on the face. Yeah. And he shows him away and goes, California. <laughs> <laughs> so that's two strikes. He's he talks
0: about day. he he mentions California too in the airport when he lands. Right, right, right. And that chick, by the way, that chick's wearing yoga pants <laughs> decades ahead of their time. Wild stuff. Yep, yep. And she jumps on that beef cheevy or whatever yeah, he yeah. was. That's what he, <laughs> he says in the like LA or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: yep.
0: yeah. So he's got all these little things like he's taking plan- them off. He's
1: planting the seeds, like, even if there wasn't some awful terrorist attack at this party that he wasn't gonna enjoy California.
0: No, no. And he was always gonna be ready for a uh, scrap, yeah.
1: if you will, right. of any kind.
0: Right. And I the Gennaro thing, like I can see, I'm trying to empathize with the character. He wants like it's the first time in six months he's seen his wife. They're obviously having issues. He wants to have a one-on-one time with her, but he's gotta to go to this party with strangers. And they're all California strangers. So yeah, that that stereotype. Like especially back then of like New York versus like L.A., yeah. it's strong. Yep. Especially back then, and yep. and you can ask my grandfather if he was still with us today. He taught us at a young age that you California is no place that you want to go yeah, to. Right, different planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was immediately right off the bat that was in there. And then when he walks in, I mean, I guess he tried to be nice to Takagi, but he still came he off a little like.
1: I mean, Takagi was. Was respectful back to him. I mean, yeah, he's a,
0: you know, he's a nice guy. Even though somebody thinks he was the bad, the secret bad guy of the whole movie, Nick, unbelievable. Nick, it, the, the the company.
1: I mean, you can look at their books. Everything's on the up and <laughs> above board. Right. Everything it's is all above, above board. Yeah,
0: there's no secret agenda there from Tagogs. Um, you know, he
1: was maybe stressed out from the construction going on in the building. Uh, it's a beautiful space you have here. Well, it will be if we ever get it finished. Yeah. You, know, you have a lot going on.
0: Right. And that kind of speaks to him as like always striving. Like he's not just going to accept, you know, settle for what, well, what he's got. He's always going to strive for better. He like, was trying. He was trying to be a good boss. He didn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's not from that
1: area. Holly comes over and Takagi says, I mean, what does John say? Like, uh, I, I hope she's doing a good job for you. And And he says something like. Oh, like uh, we're working in her too hard. Like we're driving her with spears. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: Yeah. It was like, uh, it just felt. Fun. He had to like explain his own right, jokes right, and stuff. Yeah. Right. Which is, he was trying. He, that's what, I don't know if like, if you ever talk to a real CEO, I mean, that's pretty spot yeah, on, especially yeah. like the guys that were coming from different cultures too. They're in a different existence. Plus they're coming from a different culture. They don't know how to talk to like lowly heathens like yeah, us. So yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, but then
1: then we get introduced to another character, to
0: one of the top-tier shitheads of all time. <laughs> sorry, Terrence. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. T. <laughs> when you listen to this next <laughs> week, put the kid away. But Ellis, no last name, Ellis. Is that his first name or last name? It just even in the credits, because I, I made a note of that at the end to go back and find out what his full name was and it just said ellis i never checked like imdb or anything though he's in he's in holly's office he has his own office with a private bathroom because he's like essentially like their top guy that holly's gunning for his you know his role he's their uh head of international accounts right and if you didn't know that he was going to tell you yeah and he's in holly's office just skiing hitting the slopes hard (laughs) Does that mean
1: Holly has a drug problem?
0: They don't ask that question. Mm. Maybe she's the bad guy. Mm. (laughs) She just just lets her husband walk into the trenches like that after all. But he's sitting there just storing a fat line of Coke. And I believe in the business, they call it cheese these days. So Takagi, Holly, and McLean all walk in. Holly was not there. Oh,
1: that's right. Holly yeah. was still in her office finishing up. She was in. Faxing some, some papers. Yeah,
0: she was in somebody else's office. Working during the party. Yeah. We're, nose to the grindstone, I guess. Huh. I don't know. That's kind of, that's a McLean move, though. Yeah. So, uh, plus she's gunning for Ellis's, you know, spot. So right. she's just trying to be better. She knows he's not in any position to work. She because
1: career driven. Yeah, that's She it. didn't want to be there. She will not to be at the party. She's calling
0: home. Check on their house Checking kids yeah. and the keeper. Yeah. We'll talk about her after with that sleazeball yep. reporter. Mm-hmm. But Ellis is nose deep in cheese. <laughs> and I love the line. He tra- like the excuse and how and like the action he does because <laughs> they walk in and it's the standard like every 80s movies has this scene where they walk into an office. There's like the door opens loudly to give them a chance to react. And then there's the guy doing coke in the back, wiping it off the desk <laughs> and just getting his nose. I'm like, oh, I was. And then Ellis goes, oh, I was making a phone call. And he's and he just points to the phone, which he's not even within arm's length of. He's not even <laughs> close to. It's like on another table. He's just oh, I was just making a call. Everybody knew what was going on. Yeah. Even Takagi yeah. made mention of it. Yeah. And that set the stage for this guy. Like besides the besides the conversation he had beforehand with Holly about he was just trying to sleaze on yeah, her yeah, essentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, she wasn't having when you anything take other. you to dinner and all. That. Yeah. Something yeah, like that yeah. to celebrate. Like that's that standard dirt bag move of yeah. like, oh, it's not because I want to do sex to you. It's because I just want to take you to dinner. It's professional and respectful. Right, right. It was, I see right through it, Ellis. <laughs>
1: and Takagi introduces Ellis and McLean. And he says, this is Holly's husband. Holly's police officer or something. Yeah. He's a police thing. husband. And. <laughs> McLean goes, walks past him, like he already owns the place. He
0: tries to Ellis tries to shake his hand and be buddy buddy. You know how those those, yeah, yeah, those sleazy yeah, yeah. salesmen are, and he just he wants nothing to do with it. McLean he just walks right past, and he says, "Miss some,"
1: and Ellis <laughs> has to wipe his nose. He's got that
0: little <laughs> shitty grin right? on him. McLean does right. where he's like, "Got like I'm not yeah. an idiot. Like, I'm a good cop." Anybody. Yeah. And so, then Holly walks. In. Holly walks in. They do some back and forth. And he's like, they're setting, they're really setting up Ellis as like a real dirtbag because everything he says that comes out of his mouth is just, and he's laughing
1: too much at everything. Yeah.
0: He's every, everything Takagi said he loves. He's just a standard kiss ass that you just hate in real life. And he plays a good part. Yeah. The guy. Oh, it's Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller's, yeah, (laughs) understudy. (laughs) (laughs) That isn't Dennis Miller. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) But then Holly walks in. She gets all like, Yeah, they get all flustered. She she gets the vapors because she's surprised to see him, I guess.
1: So you know that John and Holly are in love. Yeah. They are married. Yeah. Although it's a little fuzzy. Are they married? Because Argyle started to dig at that in the car ride, and you didn't really get a definitive answer.
0: No. But that's also like, if you want to go realistic terms here, the detective is not just going to be open to Right. Telling personal things to a complete stranger—we don't know Argyle's backstory. Probably a good idea to not sit in the front seat then. Yeah, well, that's that—that that is a plot hole unexplained. Is we know why he sat in the front seat, but we don't know why he didn't know how to use a limo. Just sit in the back seat. And also, has and, he never been in an automobile, right? And you have sit the, the you have seat. the vantage point too, from a defense security perspective. Now, now you're talking like Dwight Schrute. He's <laughs> got he's got weaponry, and if Argyle starts to do any funny business, he can. Pop him right there, but and then commandeer the vehicle. That's right, but he decided to sit now. Now Argyle's in his peripherals well, and this, not. he's always diehard six. <laughs> it's probably coming out any day now. Actually, it's back. He's like sixty two, <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe not. Yeah, he's thirty. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> he was and he looks the exact same. <laughs> yeah. maybe they just put gray like <laughs> touch of men or touch of gray in there. Um, but that's when. Well, she takes him to Ellis's office. Yep. Holly takes McLean to Ellis's office. And this is where they're talking. They're being nice. like Right, right, right. It's that weird, like. He's got to wash up in the bathroom. Yeah. It's that weird, awkward, like post fight when you have in a relationship. they are having where, the same
1: old conversation. You came out here to, to follow the career. Left me back in New York. You took the kids. Well, that
0: was before that. What sparked it was when she was like, oh, you know you can stay at this place mm-hmm. when she was being nice and it looked like it was getting good. And she's like, I, she said, I missed you. And then he goes, instead of just being like, I miss you too. He goes, you didn't miss my name. Like he had to be that dickhead. Like he, he was just so it was stewing, and that was his opening. And he's just like, you didn't miss my name. And mm-hmm. she, and that's when they yep. back and forth again. And then Holly's assistant pokes her head in. Yeah.
1: And says, uh, Mr. Gennaro. They want you to say some words to the troops. Right. And McLean just looks at her and she goes, uh, sorry. And he goes, <laughs> does, does a little <laughs> fake smile. That like shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just, trying to
1: be, just no respect. Yeah, no no he, respect for anybody. Because
0: he's so in the fog of anger. Like he doesn't care about yep. nothing. Yeah. Nothing to, about any. It was just great. And, and then he de-shoes. That's when
1: he... He de-shoes yeah. to do the carpet trick. Yeah. Holly leaves to go talk to the troops. As McLean is standing there, um, the terrorists arrive to the Nakatomi property. Yep. The one truck
0: goes down into the parking garage. The sedan drives out front. up In the empty front, which now uh-huh. it made all still more sense why it was empty because they talked through right. it. And out of the vehicle is Han's. Carl, the
1: big blonde haired terrorist. Yep. And Theo. Um,
0: from Walker, Texas. From, I would say uh, Trevet from uh, Walker, Texas yeah, Ranger. Right, yeah. Right. He played for the Cowboys and then he became a Texas Ranger. Trebet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And they're talking about something. They shoot the security guard. Yeah. They made up the football. Right, right. Whatever. Right. So Hans is, is being all sketchy, looking around, making sure nobody saw anything. They reconvene with some additional terrorists coming up from the parking garage
0: yep they take out the other guards right right flashbang or a smoke bomb and then a Mm -hmm. quick how you doing to the chest so now all the terrorists are in the elevator yeah
1: and they're on their way up to the 30th floor the elevator doors open and there's a very distinct way that terrorists behave in movies like this not the lead actor terrorists but all the like six, seven, eight, nine. The henchman, guys. the posse. Right. They act angry and intense. It's most of the time it's overacting on mm-hmm. their part. They're not meant to just be background bodies. I mean, they, they want some of the attention too. Yeah. They see the camera. They and want to see the way that, that the first two guys get off of the elevator. One of them is holding his machine gun like this. Yeah. And as he comes around the corner of the elevator, his face is just, he knows where the camera oh, yeah. is exactly. And, and, and it yeah. is a full-on character. It doesn't say a single word the entire movie. Um, <laughs> it may be the guy who's really chewing
0: the, up the steam. Who,
1: who later is on top of the table and he goes, "Oh, oh well, that where are guy- you going to go,
0: pow, Yeah, that- <laughs> No more table." <laughs> it could have been that. Right, guy. Could have been that guy.
1: So um, they get off and and start just shooting into the air. And, yeah, and that's where it cuts to
0: McLean. So it. that's actually a realistic tech. The gun holding the gun up like that doesn't make sense. I don't know why you would do that. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to be ready, like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're barreled down range, if right, you will. Right, right. But what's realistic is like going out intensely, creating the chaos, the chaos. and yeah. because that's what you want to do. Because yeah. when people are stressed, you see it every day. We, you, we, we talked about it during, uh, at that fake shootout, the nationals uh-huh. game that I was at yeah. when there's chaos, The majority of the time and the majority of the people are going to devolve into stupidity and they're just going to, that's what they want. Because if you can't control your shit,
1: we win. Well, and you see that exact behavior when the terrorists are firing into the air and everybody's scattering and they're not only just shooting into the air, they are yelling and shaking their heads and (laughs) acting like maniacs. And overacting. Yeah, Right, right, right.
0: Incredible. Right. But do you notice like Holly Takagi, like they kind of maintain. Right.
1: Yeah. They they kept their heads. Yeah. Um, Ellis cracked after a while, and we saw what happened to him. I mean, um, yeah. So the terrorists show up. McLean makes his break for the staircase.
0: Yeah, while well, he's he finds as, the, as they're
1: clearing the floor and looking for people.
0: Yeah, they clear and another like standard '80s action movie like hostage situation is you bust into a room and there's. People at the holiday party doing sex in the office. What kind of company is Takagi running? I don't, yeah, maybe he is a bad guy. <laughs> but you see it. I mean, for whatever reason, holiday parties in the '80s and early '90s were exclusively in the office, right, which is right. a real no-go these right. days. You're not gonna. You can't be getting away with that shit anymore. You want to have an offsite. Plausible deniability on all accounts, right? But they, this is no holds barred. And she, and that lady, God bless her, she was out <laughs> and about for Christmas. So they round up all the hostages, and McLean
1: is already—he he ran up one floor or one flight of stairs, saw the the guys rolling rolling the, the carcases and everything, yeah—and keeps going, and he's sort of safe for a few minutes, and they cut to Hans. And they, they've rounded up all the, the hostages in that open area. And you can tell immediately who the leader is. Because he's the only one wearing a suit.
0: Right. Everyone else is a... They need to be... Uh, why did athletic. Why did Hans wear a suit
1: the entire movie?
0: I don't know. They never mentioned that.
1: Because he's not trying to be...
0: He's not trying to disguise so or anything.
1: Um, maybe it was his failsafe if he ever got in The situation like when he had to become Bill Clay, yeah, he had to look like somebody who worked there. They also
0: talked about remember at the end where he said, Um, they can't like arrest us if they think we're already dead, and we'll get into that. Like, oh, so you think he had to, but it there- could have been part, it wasn't, it's not a direct correlation, but it could have been one of the reasons why he went to wore a suit is like in case. They nab him in the group of hostages mm-hmm. or whatever. but They were going to kill all the hostages. Yeah. So I don't know. You're right. There was a pothole.
1: He stands there and he pulls out a little book, some sort of little day planner.
0: Yeah. Which is to remind a him diary what to say, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> because he, he closes it as he starts. talking. Yeah. He says one thing and then he closes it. Right. And then after he opens it again to like go back to yeah, it, right. refer back to his notes. So right. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what was in that so, book.
1: So Hans starts speaking, and you understand pretty quickly. One, he's the leader. Two, they're pretty organized and professional. And he immediately keys in on finding uh, Joseph Takagi. Right. What? And he, he should he do, he, yeah. he keys in on him by reciting his entire bio. He says, University of London, School of Economics. <laughs> University of Chicago, MBA. And like he goes on and then on. Then he gets on, into the
0: personal life.
1: Gets into the personal life. How many sons he has, all this. Shoe size, allergic to peanuts, everything. Yeah. And he does talk ma- about a plot hole. He knows all that information and doesn't know what he looks like.
0: So I thought the same thing because at first he walks up to the other guy, like the decoy <laughs> Takagi. <laughs> and I thought for a second, like, Man, he's just incredibly stereotypical. He's just assuming this Asian guy is Takagi. But another tactic like he could have known and purposely was trying to make him sweat it out, like make him come come forward as well, because that's the first thing I thought of is like, you're not looking up a dude's life like that right and not getting a no, picture don't, don't see a picture of him. because wherever you're getting that information from they definitely have the public information of the building that he owns and the business that he owns and there's always like the bio picture right so i think he just i think he knew i think he just i think that was a tactic he was using mm-hmm. so they find takagi uh takagi starts to feel the pressure yep. of
1: hans you know focusing on other staff
0: right and you hear him speak. That's how you get the weakness. You enough. go out to the people you care about. He says enough. And what does Han say? How nice to meet you. Uh, something like that. Pleasure to make pleasure. your acquaintance yeah, right. or something like that. So it's they, go, they go up lo- to the next floor. Like we know you. That's not For a right. pleasure. Right, <laughs> You're a terrorist. Yeah.
1: They go up to the next floor. They're in the elevator. He makes a comment about Takagi's suit. John Phillips. John Phillips. London. Yeah. I have three myself. And they get up and that's where they try to get the code out of him to open up the vault door. Which is why
0: they went after him in the first place, because he's the guy with the code. Figure if we don't have to break the the vault time. Yeah, that's always plan A. Um they did make mention though, I don't know, I guess back in the back in the 80s, like when he said uh Word on the street says Arafat goes to him as well for his suit. Right. right, right.
1: He says that quickly, getting off the elevator.
0: Right. Right. Like as a throwaway, like you have good taste. Yeah, Yeah. I also have good taste because all big power type guys are going to John Phillips. So I don't know what the like if it was to build rapport or as a power move to let him know, like, I'm also not fucking around. Like
1: you're worthy of stealing from. Right, like, yeah. If I know, I know if, you've got a lot, yeah,
0: right. I know that suit, which means you're not, you know, you got what I exactly what I'm came to, you know, to right, grab. Right. So I don't know, but Arif had at the time was a big timer. So, so they go and and there's a lovely
1: model of the whole plaza. Yeah, um, looks pretty good to scale. And they sit him down, and he won't give up the code, uh. and he starts sweating, and kind of a graphic scene there pop them um and that's where mclean witnesses that and screams from the next room mm-hmm. kind of yells and that's when he escapes narrowly out of that room right because carl and the other guy run in and try to see him
0: yeah carl um, and his brother yeah
1: his brother was the first guy to
0: die yeah and that's um, when he went up to the floor he was wearing some weird sweatsuit yeah, it was a it was like an old it was, gray it's got to be a suit. german thing because this the Sweatshirt I noticed was long, like over the ass, like down below the ass, long, like like a, a girl would wear it as a nightshirt, <laughs> like like a dress. And then he had super tight pants on, right, and like tiny little children's shoes. <laughs> he was a strange strange little man. So who,
1: what was his name? Um, I don't know, Franz. Maybe Franz. Are you looking it up? I'm trying to find Franz. Well, in any case, that was Carl's brother. Yeah. And that the guy was a big guy. Like yeah. the first, because McLean tussles with him. And that's when they fall down the staircase and McLean breaks his neck. Right. And
0: he screams while he breaks
1: his neck. The guy goes,
0: ah! Yeah. Which, you're, and realistically, you're not able to do. Your I next, didn't think so. I've next never broke broken my yeah. neck. Yeah. I were a betting man. So the guy's a big guy. McLean takes his shoes off, and they're not even close. No. What is that about? I don't. I don't he know. Had nub feet. I'm curious in real life if that's the case for that guy, or if it, that they just made it look like he just had to wear it for that scene because they knew they wanted to keep McClane barefoot.
1: Right. They needed. They needed an owl. Yeah.
0: They that to needed like to a be a continued weakness shoes. that they somebody tried to exploit throughout the whole movie. Because there's other things related to Barefoot and McClain, a lot of separate things throughout the film, the rest of the film. And that bothered me, obviously, because again, how many guys did he kill that he had the opportunity to grab their shoes? He only, he only sure. attempted one guy and they just happened to be the smallest shoes in the, of the whole posse. And then he's just like, that's it. I guess I'm not wearing shoes the entire rest of this film. And that's where McLean <laughs> says, uh, yeah, you know, 100 million terrorists in the world and I got to kill one of the feet smaller than my sister. <laughs> yeah. And then he takes his guns and stuff, though. But I think this is around the time where Carl Winslow finally gets introduced. And... I'm at the convenience store. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. Loading up on... Loading up on Twinkies, like... He kept reaching back at the same
1: shelf. And I can understand if they want him to load up on a variety of different products, but he took, like, seven...
0: He Big had guns. a double hand. He had to hold it of all the Twinkies he was taking, and he had to dump them onto the table. Like, Come and then on, man. and
1: then he seems surprised that the the cashier said something. Yeah, <laughs> just like, shit talk. To him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys just ate donuts.
0: Yeah, and he was pissed. He's like, <laughs> they're
1: for they're fr- my wife. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that guy was underrated. <laughs> yeah, he was because it was the perfect touch of sarcasm. Right. Yeah, and, if, and with of, a toothpick out of his mouth. And
0: of course, and because it's coming from like a 11 cashier, right. it's like this guy should not be talking, right. but he has no problem letting that copper know you're a f- like I know you're a. Fat. Oh, and that's where
1: where uh, Carl Winslow says, "Bag it." <laughs>
0: Just. Biggest slap in the face. Yeah. You
1: can say it to somebody in the city. <laughs> yeah. Either at a grocery store or 7 Eleven. Yeah,
0: like keep the change it. or something. Yeah. yeah, just like that's to let him know, like, I know you're just a cashier. Right. Like bag my shit, right. bag it's the
1: equivalent of, of McDonald's drive-thru saying, make sure those fries are hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Give me a sweet and sour. It's it's on par with the Google Hunting, like like you're gonna be serving my kids fries when we're on our oh, way to yeah. a skiing trip. <laughs>
0: My quick story, my mother and my friend's mother, who I played baseball and soccer with when we were kids, used to have this, they called it a joke. It was more like a verbal abuse <laughs> as a child, but they would always do this to us where, especially if we like sucked it up in sports that day, they would say something like, would you like fries with that? And I'll be like, what? Or or uh, cash or charge? Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And And they would go. You, these are just phrases you might want to remember because you're not going to make it in, in this world if you keep acting like that or keep playing like that. So you're just going to be bagging groceries and this and that. And I was like, holy shit, they just ripped me like <laughs> my own parents.
1: So you get the brief shot of Sergeant Al Powell, Carl yeah. Winslow,
0: which for a while I couldn't tell if it was Hal or Al. Yeah, yeah, or if it was Pal or Pal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, they picked a bad name for Al yeah. Al Powell. <laughs> Maybe some of those were overdubbed, too.
1: (laughs) They called them (laughs) (laughs) "Pal." They didn't get their characters straight.
0: (laughs) Maybe, yeah, welcome to the party, Powell.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, This is around the time you get your first shot of the reporter.
0: Yeah. Thornburg. He was in Biodome, too. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Pauly Uh, Shore. He was also. um, uh,
1: Yes, he was Biodome. Yep. That's, that's some what other, I was
0: thinking of. Yeah, he's always a bad guy. Like, or just a a problem character. He's a good, I mean, good part. But yeah, that's when he first shows. And he's being like, right off the bat, he's also being just a shitbag, like a real well, Elvis type.
1: So he's also Walter Peck from
0: Ghostbusters. That's right. Well, another shit, like another sort he, of he bad He talks guy. the same way. Yeah. And they're
1: probably not too far off. I think Ghostbusters was 84. Die Hard was 88.
0: So that same, same area of his yeah career. he was really he was in his group like in a groove there like that like was he had the, that character
1: down as, Yeah,
0: and they knew it i don't care what it does <laughs> just shut these off <laughs> like even when he
1: like uh, we could do ghostbusters that's another good one yeah two.
0: but and then when he's talking to the to the housekeeper right, too right he like pulls her in
1: well and before he does
0: that he makes everybody back
1: up he goes all right back up back up yeah because he
0: doesn't want people to know he <laughs> listen here <laughs>
1: Well, so you get your first shot of him at the news studio and he's on the phone and he's on the phone with either his wife or girlfriend, Monica. And he says, all you hear of the conversation is Monica can get us a table. Wolfgang
0: and I are close friends. Wolfgang. He called him (laughs) Wolfgang. As as soon as he said that, I was like, this guy sucks. (laughs) Because there's always that guy out there that like, that's how they let you know, like, I am on the end with Wolfgang Puck or whatever. You know, Wolfgang. Oh, my God. It was such a Monica, shaker. I can get us a table. <laughs> um, but that same timing wise, Carl Winslow gets the initial call. Go to the fire alarm went off. Go to the building or whatever. And they're getting calls from. Well, so first it was the fire alarm that got canceled by the front desk. That's right. You're right. And then
1: McLean broadcasts from the roof and that's where they find him up there and start shooting at him. Yeah, and that's where the dispatchers hear the gunfire and say, "See if a black and white can do a drive-by."
0: Which, again, realistically speaking, they like hear gunshots, they hear gunshots. Somebody after, in distress. When a guy, if a guy finds his way on an emergency radio channel like that, like, and he's screaming about an emergency. You don't just brush it off like that and think it's a prank. Like, it, it doesn't spend, seem
1: to be protocol for a dispatcher no. on an emergency channel to have their default answer be, sir, this is an emergency line. Yeah. This is not for pranks. Call
0: 911 he's right? like, I'm trying to. <laughs> like, you idiot. How do you think I knew it was an emergency line? Yeah. <laughs> and then they heard the gunshots. They still kind of brushed it off. And they sent Carl Winslow on the case. <laughs> and I don't, do you remember his call sign? Uh, Ten Lincoln Thirty. I thought it, I thought he was. I think it was eight Lincoln. Eight, eight Lincoln. 30. And I thought he was saying Abe Lincoln. I was like, "What kind of fucking call sign is that?" Carl, you can be whoever you want to be yeah, as a yeah. police officer. And he was like, "I choose Abe Lincoln, <laughs> one of my top top men."
1: He shows up. I love the 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 camera work of him walking out of the the convenience store and glancing up in the distance at the building and you see flashes on the roof yeah you, and that's meant to be the gunfire between McLean and the terrorists right
0: but you can also like from that far away it just looks like the um, the standard lights they have yeah. for like air traffic right. to be aware right. of yep
1: and he drives over and at that point McLean's at the window looking down at him and he thinks that okay this is great and Al Powell just keeps circling the, the front driveway.
0: Yeah, an empty building.
1: So, why wouldn't he just stop and look in? Because he's like, everything looks fine. But then he's got to drive back around the circle and tur- take, turn his back to everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and look at edges for 60 degrees. That's, and then, I, that's like a movie cop thing to do, is yeah. like the drive by, like always in motion for whatever and reason. Wayne
1: noticed. Yeah. Because he says, who's driving this car? So, you wonder. <laughs> And then eventually, I mean, Al Powell doesn't realize how close he came to death. Yeah. Because he chit-chats with
0: the front guard. Huey Lewis. Who? The guy, the the guard, the bad guy guard. Yeah, yeah. Watching the football game. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look just like Huey Lewis.
1: (laughs) I didn't realize that till now.
0: It's not him. I did I did some recon. It's not, but it's as close to him as. Ellis is the Dennis Miller <laughs>
1: with the fake accent and the, Oh, they've been chasing bugs in this system ever since they put it
0: in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got a good cover story. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. He plays it off. Well, Huey. Yeah. Um, and then Carl, I mean, I guess, thank God for him. He's lazy. Cause he didn't make it all the way down the hallway and you just see the, no, he made it like four, four steps yeah. and he's like, I got Twinkies waiting right. for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. As a, sorry to waste your time on the way out. Yeah starts driving away or gets in his car and that's where the body goes through his windshield. Through right. McClane.
0: Yeah. And that's another plot hole. I wanted to discuss very big plot hole. because yes, McLean's looking at the window. Then he's got the, the, the gunfight where he's killing the guys and he kills more guys. And then the body ends up on the car. Now, a couple of issues I have with that. There's several. First, when he's looking down at the car, he has to like, hammer so like olympic hammer swing there's that body good, to get that distance he would have out to, there he
1: would have to throw that at least 30 or 40 feet
0: yeah oh, f- like horizontally out, outward out. yes not just down because it was not directly under no. the building he also didn't break the window there was a hole the
1: size of a garbage can lid, yeah and it wasn't at the bottom of the window it was up an eye level he would have to hold the body at his waistline Get a running start and, and throw it like and, an underhand javelin.
0: Like a like like in the cartoons where like grab you by right. your by your back of your right. pants and just toss you so like it back. was
1: it, it was Uncle Phil throwing jazz out of the house. <laughs> that's exactly like, that's what, what it was. It
0: did. <laughs> that's what he did. And he threaded the needle through this not even human-sized right. hole <laughs> Right. and got it out to the car.
1: And stands there and says, Welcome to the party, party pal. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I mean, at <laughs> that point, he has to call him pal. Yeah. Because he has not made radio contact with him. He doesn't know his name is Al Pal. No, it
0: unless it's definitely a pal. Yeah. And it wasn't Abe Lincoln. And at that
1: point, the terrorists see the body land on the, the car and know that. I think he see sees it. Up. Yeah, it's open now. And then they just start opening and firing from their vantage points.
0: Yeah, which, where they were like on another floor, mm-hmm. um, below and or above or whatever. He throws it in reverse. Here's
1: another plot hole. Um, Argyle is supposedly in the parking garage Listening To music just yeah. waiting for McLean He doesn't know Boy anything Manners is or... off at this point Right They show him in the front seat talking on the phone With the sunglasses on And in the like through the back Windshield they show Powell's car Go over the curb And like disappear down the hill
0: Yeah, How
1: could you see that if he's in a Parking garage So I I think where I think, where is Argyle at that point? if he can see that
0: right well it didn't make what didn't make sense was like I could see it logistically of like the parking garage like at the, like how a basement has windows at the top, you can see out sometimes uh, so I could see that like logistically if they built the parking garage like that so and they and I think they wanted to make you the viewer see like Argyll's clueless this thing has literally happened right behind yeah. him, but if you look at like how the building was set up where the parking garage was actually, and where he was driving his car. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have had to go that route. And like, especially in duress, he wasn't purposely going to look, you know, Hey, let me get in front of this guy and see if he sees me. He, he was driving in a different route. And for the movie, I think they were just like, back it up over here, Carl. Yeah. yeah. But that didn't make sense either. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he survived. But. So Carl lands
1: eventually, you know, he backs over that wall yeah. and his car gets stuck.
0: Which is another plot hole because like Reginald Vell Johnson at the time is he's packing some weight and they even like, they, they sort of joke about it because all the Twinkies and he's lazy and all this other stuff. He gets out of that car way too easily. That car, like he is it's at an angle at an angle. He's at least two seven to
1: or th- eight feet off the ground.
0: Yeah. At the top of it, yeah. he's way up there and he just like slides right down Like no problem. He's not doing that. He's stuck in there for. He wouldn't even
1: be able to open up the door at that angle.
0: No, because it would have closed right down back on him. But the door stayed open. Like there must have been a guy holding the door on the other end. He hops down. (laughs) He's athletically hops. The cavalry shows up. All these other cop cars immediately. He starts going like
1: this. Why does he do that? He starts waving them away.
0: Like because the gunfire, he doesn't want them to get shot up too. So where where is he at that point? He's
1: far away. And it seemed to be some sort of construction site.
0: Yeah. There's nobody it's, it's probably where they were staging the construction for the rest of the sure. building, like okay. where they're putting all their gear. It's vacant is yeah. the point.
1: Um, so the, the other cops show up and uh, Dwayne Robinson shows up. Yeah. Who okay. is, who's that deputy chief? Something like that. Of, of the that particular department. Right. Yeah. Some sort of supervisor to Powell and and everyone else yeah he shows up in an unmarked car with all these other marked police cars right he gets out there's nobody there except cops he gets out holding his badge
0: to show Powell. like like
1: ooh, he yeah. shows up and goes all right who's talking to him who are you holding that up <laughs> yeah. to
0: his, oh There's nobody I didn't there realize except that. a battered Carl Winslow <laughs> yeah. and a bunch of cops that just pulled up. An emotionally beat down Carl <laughs> and other cops with badges on. All right, who's talking though? <laughs> it's me, right. Dwayne Johnson or Dwayne Robinson. Right. That's a great. That's a good pull. I did not realize that. Like people are going to ask who he is or stop him. Yeah, and that and his whole character was like. Like back then, they just really poured it on with the over like so stereotypical a lot
1: like Breakfast Club principal. Yes,
0: and what the hell else was he a principal in? Um, not Ferris Bueller. It was another one. Oh, uh, Van Wilder with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, he was
1: the he was the
0: dean. The thing. dean. Yeah, yeah same yeah. kind of character. That cocky, I, like I'm in charge, therefore everything I say is correct and everything you yeah. say is wrong. Right. Kind of attitude, right. Right. like. Right. Right. Yeah, like pretends to be no nonsense. Yeah. But then when the big wigs come and he's got to kiss ass, that's the character. He, I mean, he's a good he was good at that. Yeah. God love him.
1: Um, But I mean, so he starts off with, all right, who's talking to him, holding up the badge unnecessarily. Yeah. Then he downplays the entire situation. Al Powell's car is riddled with bullet holes.
0: He's bleeding from the head. There's a there's a body in the windshield still.
1: There are machine guns. Coming out of the, the office building.
0: Everywhere, yeah. And
1: he says something like, what about the, you know, Powell's like, what about the body that landed on my car? And he says, who knows?
0: Probably a stockbroker. Got yeah. depressed. I, it, was, it made no sense. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, what, and like, why would you think that? Why would you dismiss a cop, like a fellow cop, that easily? Like, he's the psychopath. Like, yeah. you're
1: crazy. He had, I mean, most of his lines were phenomenal.
0: Right. Yeah, they were phenomenal it's so unrealistic. After, <laughs> after the
1: C4 explosion from McLean that somehow doesn't bring the entire building down. Oh, the roof when they... Right. yeah no, no, no. When McLean throws the computer chair down oh, the down elevator. elevator side, yeah, and it just... Somehow
0: it doesn't take down the building. That was how the entire floor... Right. It's like it's hitting all the... In real life, it's hitting all the spots you would want to hit to knock a building. building down and nothing.
1: And, and uh, Robinson says... I got a hundred people down here, and they're covered in
0: glass. Yes. <laughs> and McQueen lost glass, it. At that point. Glass. <laughs> he lost it. A hundred people <laughs> covered in. I mean, you piece of shit. <laughs> like he is such an asswipe. Oh man. I'm trying to think. What other lines did he have? I liked Carl's line when the Feds show up. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, the FBI." and he starts like getting you know yeah, tightening yeah, his yeah. tie and carl goes you want a breath mint yeah right, right. <laughs> like another 80s jam yeah, yeah like another singer yeah,
1: right i mean even when when the fbi helicopter gets engulfed in the explosion on the roof and agent johnson and special agent johnson perish with the helicopter
0: oh that was another thing i wanted to talk about these two first um one senior agent johnson mm-hmm. Is uh one of the Fratelli brothers, right? right a phenomenal right. actor Robert Davi. He's great. Oh, I'm starting to like this kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they roll in like what does he say? Just like Saigon, like right. he's going, but he's PTSD and right back to his Vietnam. I days. love
1: I love the 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 stereotype and the stigma that they place on the the feds. On the fence. Oh, like they, yeah. they wear the suits and they show up and They're yeah, yeah. I, I'm in charge around here. He's just looking up at the building. Doesn't even look back at him. No, not anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have to. (laughs) He's just
0: we're in charge. And then the whole like they're just completely okay. They're like, we'll probably lose five or ten hostages. I can live with that. (laughs) And then they just casually get blown up. Like there's not even a mention like they don't even show them. No, no, they don't even show them like usually with characters of their stature, especially Robert Davy. He's a, a big timer even back then. Yeah, like at least show them like. You know, something, some closure. It was just they just casually melted and they disappeared, and not even Dwayne Robinson didn't even. All he said was like, "Whoa!" Like,
1: well, and and that's one of the lines I took a note of. Oh, you did. Is at that moment he looks up and sees the the helicopter get destroyed and says, "I guess we're going to need some new FBI
0: guys." Another like t- like a, an '80s talk right. weird shit. Just just as soon as you start to feel
1: too emotional and invested in the movie, they just pull you. They back had to pull you and, back. and let you know,
0: like, it's okay. Well, let's keep it lighthearted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just killed guys right. savagely, unnecessarily, and we're, we'll just pass it off. On.
1: Um, once. McLean realizes that the hostages are going to the roof and McLean knows that they're going to blow the roof and it's all trapped like the double cross that he's talking to to Powell about McLean runs up there and he starts shooting, trying to get them to run back downstairs. Yeah. Um, he's already killed Carl by wrapping the chain around his neck and then throwing him down the line.
0: Right. Supposedly so Carl's just Carl. hanging there with the hostages
1: walking. Right, So then the hostages start running down the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> the, Casually overacting 101 again here. As they're running down, like some of them are screaming, you know, they're just kind of waving their arms like that's all normal. There's one guy about halfway through the line coming down the stairs, and he's there's no obstacle in front of him. He's just got a straight, just just run. Just yeah, and he's doing like a like a like a zigzag. Like he's at the NFL combine or something.
0: <laughs> like he's dodging right. bullets like a cartoon. And uh just, just chewing it up, man. The things you notice. That's great. Yeah, I did not notice that either. I wonder if it was the same guy. I, I think the guy who kisses McClane is the same guy who's borking that chick in the office who might be the same guy. Maybe all the same guy. Juking yeah. and jiving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just, any way he can get screen time, he was like, yeah, I'll be that guy. Whatever you need. Yeah, it was like he was doing
1: lunges or something. Just come <laughs> I got to go back stairs. and watch that.
0: But Another thing with Carl, he's like, he should have been dead. I mean, how long was he ch- like on that chain before they wrapped him up? Not Carl. No, it was Carl. Yeah, yeah, Carl. Yeah, ba- yeah bag Carl, Carl the not Winslow. Yeah. <laughs> Carl was guy. Yeah. German Carl. Right. Carl. Uh, Carl. Carl. <laughs> he, when he, they put him in the body bag and they give him his gun back in the body bag <laughs> because When when he was choked out, he didn't have the gun. They were they were fisticuffing or whatever, hand to hand combat at the time. Correct. Yeah. And then McLean strangles him with the chain, and he's hanging there because at the time he had both his hands on there trying to survive. Mm -hmm. In the body bag at the end, when he comes out for one foul swoop, like one final you know shot, he's got his custom machine gun. That's right. In his hand, his dead like lifeless hand, already you know ready to go, locked and loaded. And then Carl, the other Carl has to come in with his revolver. I don't I mean, I don't know who's that, holding That's her. not customary is to, to bury the terrorists in the body bag with, <laughs> with their, their weapons. With their weapons, <laughs> a, like a, like a uh, thing of honor. <laughs> yeah. So there are definitely some potholes. But for an 80s movie, like they did a pretty good job closing the loop on some things. Yeah. Or at least right. even if it was like a stupid, like the whole foot thing, it was like we know what we're like we're not trying to pretend we're this deep movie here. We're an 80s action movie. We're going to make fists with our toes. <laughs> so when Theo finally breaks into the vault and they yeah. play the
1: the music when the door's finally open. Yeah,
0: the uh, like the symphony of yeah, yeah.
1: the Um they start looking through. It's kind of an unimpressive vault on the inside. It's really yeah. really small.
0: Yeah. And I
1: mean, very secure but very That's fine. where the the uh, bearer bonds are. Right um there was also some other there were some other valuables in there there was that little statue that the guy flicks with his hand yep and there was a painting on the ground that was not in any sort of protective covering except for just a random strap around it Mm -hmm. it wasn't in plastic it wasn't in a box or a case it was so valuable to keep in Takagi's vault but he left it on the floor like it was in his garage.
0: Yeah. Like maybe he was waiting for construction to be done to put it up in that other floor. He threw
1: threw his baseball cards in there too. (laughs)
0: Yeah. His personal value. (laughs) But the bonds, I guess logically it made more sense that they were bearer bonds Mm -hmm. for like security purposes. And then they kind of explained how they were going to wash the money so that they can collect on it or whatever. But like from a, Again, from an '80s action movie standpoint, like you want to have piles of cash. That, like that I mean, would have played yeah, better for visually, better. Yeah. yeah,
1: than just these sheets of paper. Yeah, they look spilling like everywhere. They look yeah. like certificates, right. like from
0: an online training you just right. took, right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if they had piles of cash spilling out of the building at the end, right. I think it would have played a little bit better. Well, that was the other note I took: is
1: the the pieces of paper raining down at the end. Like one, they went really heavy on the pieces of paper a lot, and they were all blank. Yeah. Was, those were not bearer bonds, <laughs> they were blank sheets
0: They were just, yeah, they just opened a ream of paper right. and would just toss right. it out there. It
1: was a New York Yankees
0: parade. Um, that was a budgetary thing. There, you know, how like you have like you put the 20 on top of a bunch of ones right. to hide it. They had one bearer bond, and the rest were just blanks
1: after. Well, we could talk about the whole Ellis Hans interaction. Oh, before he got popped. Yeah, yeah. When when Ellis kind of loses his patience for for sitting
0: there. Yeah, but that and that whole interaction, it was interesting from like a business salesman standpoint because he had good salesman tactics for the like there was a lot of things he said and did that were like, yeah, that make like if you're trying to sell snake oil, Mm -hmm. this is how you do it. But then he also had things that were just like. I think for the character to prove that he was still a selfish, like shitbag, bag and he was never going to, that's why he's not the top guy. Like he's not Takagi or anything because he kept like, he would say something like he would talk about like, this is a business deal. You know, I got something we, I got what you're looking for, you know, trying to let them know, like, this is what I can do for you as opposed to, you know, give me something in return. Oh, he says business is business. You use a gun. I'll use a thousand. Guns. Right. And of course he had to say fountain Pen because that's like classy and more official right, right. whatever. But then he goes, let's put it in my terms. Right. Which in business is not like you want to put it in their terms. You're right. trying to sell them on something. So that was like a little selfish thing. And then he was bragging about, I was like, I'm your white knight. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: his ego was,
0: it was, was, off the charts. Yeah. It was taking even it was, just
1: asking for the soda and then giving him one. Yeah. I and mean, they knew at that point they were going to kill him anyway. So yeah. Well, the whole, on. as soon as,
0: as soon as he started talking, right. Hans knew like he was toying with him. He was batting the bunny around a little bit, which is, which made it even a better interaction because the whole, he's like, Oh, you're very, what does it say? You're very quick or something like that. Very perceptive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what's his name? I watched 60 minutes. I know what's going on. (laughs) Ellis is so clueless and so in his own ego that he has no clue that Hans is being sarcastic. Like
1: he sees right through you, dude. I think even, even when McLean stopped responding and he just goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hans kind of smiles back at him and shoots him. Yeah, well, you're dead. But he still, at that point, took a sip of the Coke without even knowing at that point that he's going to get shot.
0: Yeah, he still thought that, like, we're playing, he's playing hardball, Let's but just wait i for play. to answer. Yeah, 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 we'll wait. And these guys don't have time. To, Hans doesn't have time to wait. He does a subtle nod, too,
1: uh, in that conversation with McLean over the radio. Where he says, uh, "Just give these guys the detonators." So, hey, I'm putting my life on the line for you, pal. Yeah. And he goes, <laughs>
0: yeah, "Like he's like, I got him. I yeah. got it right where I want him." Like, like, how about that for actually? <laughs> 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 he was just so in love with himself, John Boy, <laughs> Ellis, John. Great. How can
1: he say that after all these years?
0: That uh, another quick funny story. This is for really for, yeah. for everybody else. We talk on a pretty regular basis, Mm -hmm. phone calls, Mm -hmm. catching up. Yeah, and you you have a successful, happy family. You're usually like when you call or when I call, it's after work. Everyone's home. You're with Mm -hmm. your family. You're with your. you're, You're next to your wife usually. And our beginning interaction on every phone call, no matter what, I'll call or you'll call, and you immediately start with you just you just. Are Ellis. You start the conversation as Ellis, and I'll be like, hello, and you're like, hey, John Boy. Like, <laughs> and you can hear your wife in the background on the phone, like, oh, here we go again.
1: <laughs> well, you do share the same name as Detective
0: McLean. That's right. <laughs> hey. John Boy. And little does she know, I'm returning fire in the okay. conversation. So she's probably going to hate right. me when she she
1: thinks you're rolling your eyes, frustrated. But right. Really, your response is Ellis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's so stupid because every time, every time I see you're calling, I'm like, here we go. I'm like, do I remember my lines? <laughs> and meanwhile, your wife probably thinks like you're leave that poor guy alone. Yep. And I'm in on it. Sorry. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It's not going to stop. Ever. No. But that's one I those are little things that like they they sound stupid on the surface, but if that stops and I know there's a problem. If you call and you don't do that, then I'll be like, "What? this is serious. Are you all right? Yeah. Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on? So no, if, now it's an indicator. Yeah. yeah. I'll Maybe get on the emergency
1: I'll, channel and call the police. It's my life alert. Yeah. <laughs> I do if I don't start a conversation a movie line, call the police.
0: Yeah, <laughs> something's wrong under duress. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's got me hostage.
1: But what else you got? Well, so Theo, I got a a little blip on Theo just because I used to watch Walker Texas Ranger Pretty often.
0: Yeah, me too. Um my brother and Nikki Sticks did as well.
1: Because I mean, I think we are kind of drawn to cheesy fight scenes and yeah, you're not gonna get cheesier fight scenes than Walker Texas. Richard, a, yeah. With the sound that Chuck Norris. Roundhouse kicks and yeah,
0: wach, wach, the, wach, wach. the punches and kicks sounded like they were taking two two by fours and slapping them <laughs> together. <laughs>
1: it was great. Yeah, and there was the uh I mean there's there's so many clips from that, but I mean just Trevette being his character in that. And then knowing that that was after Theo, I mean, you kind of see yeah. traces of just the, the energy and the cheesiness of that character, just being kind of an odd ball. To be mixed in with those German terrorists, they don't really explain where Theo came from, where they were, how, how he got hooked up with that.
0: Right, you know why he's there as far as like skill set because yeah. he's the he's the hacker, he's the the, the network guy is going to hack the vault, get into the like yeah. to that weird technology that they don't know about. Right, but how he got recruited, like where, like did they go look in the classifieds? How that all came about? It would have been interesting to see because he was obviously. He was an energetic, like... He has a unique personality for that film.
1: Right. To be a bad guy, but then eating popcorn and watching surveillance
0: footage saying, the police have themselves an RV. Yeah. He's like, like a weird comic relief. These guys are all... The business.
1: quarterback is toast. <laughs> he's
0: They're all business and serious. And like, he's... He's the American. Like, he's a pretty standard, yeah. you know, stereotypical American, like, goober almost. But he's also, like, super smart. He knows all the tactics, which is another thing they kind of didn't explain out is, like, they all knew, like, he definitely knew all the police tactics and the feds, what they were going to do next. Well, like, so
1: constant. Because remember, Theo kept saying, well, I could drill through the first six locks, but you know, the seventh one is electromagnetic and you can't shut that circuit off locally. Right. And then Hans was like, just trust me. And then eventually the feds come and follow their playbook. Yeah. They the all
0: power. knew the plan. Yeah, they knew the playbook, yeah. which so is that's
1: when Hans is like, Theo, you asked for a miracle. I give you the F B.
0: <laughs> it was diabolical. Right, like right. he, that's what was in his notebook. Like that's what the thing to say next. was. <laughs> so, so that leads
1: me to Hans saying, well, we're gonna blow the roof. And by the time they finish sifting through the wreckage, thinking we're dead, we'll be sitting on a beach earning
0: 10%. Yeah. It's like 20%. Right. Which sounds so, awesome. so Contact interest, 20%. So Hans sitting on a beach though? He doesn't seem like a beach guy. No, what is he's wearing suit? a suit. What is John Phillips suit? Right. right. <laughs> or whatever it was, Frank Phillips. Right. I don't know. Yeah. He's not gonna be he's not on a beach. Yeah. No. Goes in the ocean with a shirt on. Guy? <laughs> he's wearing he's wearing a suit, of like the pants or shorts, like one of those Bermudan suits or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he would be plotting his next thing. But I did like that little dynamic of having this American that they just recruited for the job, and then all these like these guys were no nonsense. Grandparents were definitely Nazis, kind mm-hmm. of yeah individuals. Yeah, and they were, then, they were well funded. Yes, very slick. Yeah, what did he say They're, said, Yeah, that's yeah, well funded organized. and well trained yeah. yeah, well trained or well prepared or whatever. Yeah. yeah, right. How do you figure that? Seen enough fake IDs, the <laughs> ones these guys got cost a fortune. <laughs> what did he say when Carl was telling uh, Dwayne Robinson, he's like, you know, he mentioned the fake of uh, being able to in see fact, a lot of fake I, in fact I think he's a cop. Yeah, how can he tell that
1: the things he said like being able to spot a fake yeah. ID? A bartender, a bartender Al. Jesus like, Christ, Al.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Jesus, pal. <laughs> He really was just completely discrediting. Like, how do you do that to a like a peer, almost another yeah. cop? Like, right. you don't think Carl knows what he's talking about even a little bit? Yeah, the disrespect. It was blatant yeah. disrespect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had disrespect for everybody. Like you said, he walks in to a. A region full of only cops and has to flash his badge to let them know that he's also a cop. Like, they did that on purpose. Yes,
1: that was to show you who he was. Yeah, an idiot. There was the the, the SWAT team leader who I believe is uncredited who's standing next to Powell and
0: send in the car, send in
1: the car. So, when he (laughs) says that, he says it like he's got like some sort of cramp in his
0: jaw (laughs) because he does the send in the car, yeah, send in the car. That's (laughs) like, uh. Like our old baseball coach Chef. Right. He had an excuse though. He broke his jaw. (laughs) Send in the car. That guy has one, which is weird because you usually don't go on credit with with a line. Mm -hmm. He sent it in like another arrogant move. Every for whatever reason, yeah, yeah. they're almost through. They're almost through. Get him out of there. And every like law enforcement agency in this movie in LA. Yeah. They're all just loaded with arrogant idiots. Highly dysfunctional. I don't,
1: major metropolitan area. Yeah,
0: like how, how... I mean, no wonder that stays in shambles right, now. Right, But, yeah, they they have this ridiculous car. What do they think they were going to do? Just, like, run through the building and then what? Everyone's on the 30th floor. Like, they have the high ground. They see they, you coming. They had
1: four guys
0: Yeah, trying to get, So, here's the in thing. A, in a mini little go-kart tank. They... They
1: try to, they go up to the doors and what are they trying to do? Because they try something.
0: Maybe try and, to blow it the, or no. the, the one guy.
1: the one guy says it's not going. Cut it. And that's when they get the blowtorch to try mm. to cut the lock. And we try to pick the lock? Which then is... then the terrorists start shooting at them when Hans is like
0: only wound them. Yeah. First bullet shatters the entire glass. Just shoot the glass and walk right in. Now They had to pick the lock. What? Which is another thing. It's like how incompetent was law enforcement in that area? Because you're, you're you're trying to creep through a glass window. They're watching you, not just on cameras, <laughs> yeah. but they're looking right through the door. They see you, like, trying to pick a lock. They're just, like... Pointing a machine gun at you. Yeah, you're, like, <laughs> please come in. Like, do you not see us here? Like, it was just wild how stupid and clueless every cop was, except for Fat Twinkie and Carl.
1: So, the c for that... Uh, mclean gets his hands on
0: yeah which he, he thought was all of it he
1: jams it onto the computer chair with the monitor yeah and wraps it in the cord and sends it now i'm no explosives expert <laughs> is that the way that works
0: you i don't jam it with a computer monitor and it'll blow up i guess well he had did he had the detonators yet he might have used one of the detonators how does that work i don't know Oh, I know in the movies what you do is that you, thing
1: look like a chapstick. Yeah. You we, jam it in.
0: You take the pen and jam it with a computer you, you jam it in the clay. Okay. Then the putty. And okay. then you put now you can just throw it at anybody. Then you put a wire also in the putty. Okay. And then you do some sort of forceful action, whether it's like throwing it against a wall or throwing it down an elevator shaft. And that apparently ignites all bombs in 80s movies. That's how
1: it's done. When McLean <laughs> threw that chair down the elevator shaft, he didn't know where it was gonna land. No, because he didn't know where the elevator was. Okay. The elevator ended up being on the 30th floor. Because that's where it blew up. Was or no, it was one floor off, right? It was where the guy was with the missiles. He was yeah. rolling like a case of, of yeah. So uh, if
0: I remember correctly one floor 31st floor was where they were rolling the cases of mm-hmm. cruise missiles yep. 32nd floor was the construction floor okay yeah and then mm-hmm. i think like two or one, one or two floors above that was the roof the fire has been called off my friend <laughs> <laughs> my friend he goes my friend like a german like a... he goes come
1: out now i promise i will not hurt you <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing he does he loops around <laughs> and
0: starts firing <laughs> starts blasting
1: He's you won't end. hurt me because you're a policeman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Trying to play the weakness. Right. right. Very cocky that whatever but again, that was. But again, like I was bronze and had size seven shoes. So. Yeah, that's why he was so cocky. He was compensating for his tiny feet. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it blew up. I don't know how it made that much of an explosion. I mean, he it must have had a lot of C4. It's and it also... One little clay thing. Yeah, but I... Maybe that's why it didn't do damage. It was all show, no go. Mm. Just a lot of flames because it was contained in the shaft, the
1: elevator shaft. It's a lot of confidence for throwing C4 down an elevator shaft in the building for a New York City police officer.
0: Yeah, with no detonation oh. device. It was a computer <laughs> monitor.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, I don't know if it has to be like, is there a specific brand of computer monitor that you <laughs> have to jam that with? <laughs> on a, con- a computer a, chair? A presario? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't know.
0: Would Either. a folding chair work? Does it have to have wheels? <laughs> is that have wheel? Yeah. <laughs> What else did he know that we didn't? Maybe they did that on purpose so that people wouldn't go in real life and try to do it. Yeah. Like MacGyver or whatever. I don't know. But it worked for him.
1: Well, then when he's up on the roof and this is getting towards the end. um, Well, I guess first let's talk about his interaction face to face with Hans.
0: Which the first one, the Bill Clay?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions about this. So so they stumble upon each other, right? Like Hans jumps down from where the, the bombs are and McLean is standing right there. I just
0: says, had an hi. epiphany, but go ahead. Keep okay. going. He says, yeah.
1: hi. And he immediately thinks quick on his feet and, and does the, oh, no, you're one of them, aren't yeah. you? No, no, no. Right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which was pretty solid. It was good, yeah. <laughs> um, and McLean seemingly believes him And gives him the unloaded gun and says, You want to stay alive? Stick with me. Something to that effect. And as soon as he starts walking away, he hears on the radio Hans talking in German to his comrades. Yep. And McLean knew all along because he gave him the empty gun. Right. How was McLean so short?
0: This is what I just realized now. Here's why. And because
1: the test of what's your name and McLean's looking at the directory, he gets it right. It was William
0: Clay. Yeah, but did you see what floor William Clay worked on? He did not work on the 30th floor. And the security guard in the beginning of the movie said, Hey, they're up at the 30th floor. They're the only ones in the building. So why would Bill Clay Uh, be in the movie or be in the building if he didn't? Bill Clay
1: couldn't work on another floor. He wasn't invited to the
0: party. he, He didn't work for that company. That's not how it works. So, because the number—that's <laughs> that, the only thing I could the think. number didn't match. That's up. the only okay. thing, and I just thought of it now. I haven't even had a chance to dig into it. But how would Hans
1: be that sloppy then? Why wouldn't Hans just pick somebody?
0: I think he, because he was just looking at. So Hans was just. just I think
1: quickly reading the. Director. I think
0: he was just quickly reading it because he also shouldn't have known unless he was prepared. Like unless he, he was prepared to know that they were only going to be like on the 30th yeah, floor or whatever. Yeah. But he was not, the security guard didn't tell him that they were the only ones there. And I think he just randomly saw the name It's like, this is a real guy's name. So I'll just be him. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I can think of because I had like for years, that's the same question I had is like, how did he know? Hans checked all the boxes. Yeah. He answered the questions. He had the accent. He He's dressed, he dressed as a business guy, which, like maybe coincidentally it worked out for Hans because yeah. we still don't know why he wore a suit. And he gave a name of a real guy that was vetted immediately by just by looking at the sign. The only thing I can think of is that he was from a different floor, different whatever. I don't know. Or McLean knew, like he took one look in the party when he walked in and he immediately remembered faces. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right, know. Right, right. But McLean outsmarted him once again. <laughs>
1: So when the roof is about to blow up, McLean is up there with his bloody feet and he knows that Hans took Holly to the vault, and he knows he's got to get back down there. Yeah. The 30th floor. That's when he grabs the fire hose. Yep. Why does he do that?
0: I think because he didn't think he was going to have enough time to go down like the steps. The elevator was shot. Couldn't do that. Maybe he thought that was the quickest way. Because they were going to take her? I don't know. Mm. That's what I was thinking, too, was, like...
1: Kind of a random move. Yeah,
0: all the other bad guys are gone. They're not, like, just go down the steps. Right. So I thought maybe it was just quicker. But also, like, the odds of success were so much lower. Like, just, like mathematically speaking, So he... I'll take the extra 30 seconds running down the steps. Did he land at the right window
1: exactly the 30th floor
0: yeah for the movie with the
1: fire hose
0: yeah for the movie it worked out perfectly because he he lands he goes through the glass and then he ends up in like an office or whatever and And then then he goes out to the the to the lobby where they had the party into like the water fountain shit yeah right there so yeah he just and that's where the hose there was was, was another
1: explosion at that point
0: yeah, that's when they blew the roof because Hans said blow the roof. At that point,
1: they blew the roof um, as he was jumping off with the hose.
0: Yes, um, because oh, as, right. as
1: it was exploding, I, the base of the hose was like dangling towards the edge.
0: I thought it was because he jumped
1: just in time with the hose wrapped around him I, as it exploded. I, I yeah, maybe. But then you're, there was a second right.
0: explosion as he's in the lobby because he's got to jump into the fountain into the fountain. See, yeah. I. Oh, I know what it was because I was confusing the timeline. Yeah. The explosion goes off as he jumps. Initially, mm-hmm. he gets through the window. As he gets through the window and has to go into the fountain, that's when the FBI helo like explodes. Oh, that's like, right. That's right. I think okay. that. I think that's the right. the timeline matchup yep. there. That's when the Johnsons get popped. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and then he had to go high because it was that other explosion, right? Um, that they just casually like schluffed off in the movie yeah and it was just, i guess because nobody liked the johnson the agents johnson yeah they kind of
1: called an audible with them pretty abruptly yeah i'm not sure what
0: happened maybe like middle of filming they were just like yeah we're done with these guys davy had robert davy had to go film Goonies, so he yeah had to bail early um but then then it's the final showdown with with hans yeah hans and huey lewis yep Trevette is down in the basement now at this Trying point. Trying to
1: make a way and uh, get away in the get their, get their
0: ambulance getaway, which initially I was thinking, well, maybe that's why he wore the suit, Hans, because he can get away in the ambulance. But obviously it wouldn't work out because who's just strolling along in a suit in an ambulance? They'd be hiding in the back, anyways. Yeah, right? maybe. Trevette yeah. driving them. Right. Um, so he's doing his thing. And that's when Argyle finally gets his head out of his ass. <laughs> and does something about it and runs it over like runs the car over and then he gives him like the punch of a 10 year old so let's talk about the punch and or
1: the sound effect that was dubbed in for the punch i mean (laughs) yeah let's talk because he rams the ambulance so he can't get out right the window is down he hops up on the hood of his own limo and reaches through the window and does a
0: that was it. You don't even hear like every other sound effect in the movie. Every other fighting scene, you know when someone's getting punched, you can hear it. It's audible. Like this one was knocks them out cold. Yeah, that was one punch stun gun with a silent. He was he must have had a compressor because you didn't hear a damn thing. It's like they when you see those videos of like tiny guys jumping in, like doing cannonballs in the water and they just dub over the sound with like a water drop like. Boop. <laughs> that's what it was like he rears back and, and socks him and all you just hear is like like that was it, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. yeah. nothing it was just nothing but and, and it did it and that's I guess because Trevette or Theo was just a computer nerd he was not a tough guy yeah. in real life I don't know what it was he had a blast draw. yeah meanwhile Huey Lewis and the news are trying to make their final break Holly's tits are everywhere. I couldn't stop looking at her. I didn't realize she was out and about at the end there. So Hans grabs her when he sees McClane.
1: Yeah. And that's like the, I got the gun to her head hostage. And then Huey Lewis is just kind of standing there taking it all.
0: Yeah. He's, he's next to the little push car and he sees the gun hanging from the car. And he's trying to slide over, Mm -hmm. um, over to grab the gun. And, McLean at this point
1: has his secondary weapon weapon taped to his back.
0: Yeah. So real quick, he drops his primary, which I believe was empty already. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just, it was a, a bluff. He drops it. And that's when Huey Lewis goes to grab the gun. And Han says, no, I got this myself. Cause Huey was going to pop him. Mm-hmm. He's got the gun taped to his back with the, like the shipping tape, the, mm-hmm. the packaging tape. The gun is, if you look at the tape job, you're not getting that gun off your back and already being hand, finger in trigger, ready to go. Like not with you, box tape. You have to, he would have to pull that out with two hands and be like, one second, one second, Hans. And then like get the tape off the gun and be like, all right, now I got you. Yep. So I don't know how they made that work, but and I guess McLean
1: maybe because he was so bloody and sweaty, it was making the tape all but defective at that right, point. Right. Yeah.
0: It compromised the integrity of the tape. (laughs) But then
1: there was the laughing of that scene
0: between him and everybody
1: starts laughing,
0: except for Holly. Was she laughing? He drops the weapon. No, Holly wasn't laughing.
1: (laughs) 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 They all start laughing uh, because McLean is basically delirious at this point. He's 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 so beat up. Yeah, he's losing blood. Yeah, and they're all just laughing hysterically
0: at each other, and just instead of shooting him. Yeah, that's a that's such a movie tactic, though, for whatever yeah, reason. Right, right.
1: just I have to draw out the the final confrontation.
0: Right, B- to give the good guy a chance to right untape his gun. because in
1: reality, as soon as they lay eyes on him, they're shooting him.
0: They're and popping him. Dead.
1: Right, and the movie would have been over hours ago. <laughs> and, but, and McLean makes a miraculous shot. Two shots. Two bullets. Two shots. One two. The head of Huey Lewis. Yep. We should learn his name. Yeah, I don't know his real name. And then a one to the midsection of Hans. Yeah. After he does that, while Hans still has hold of his wife, falling backwards towards an open window, McLean pauses and blows off the pistol and says, "Yeah,
0: happy trails, Hans." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he he did and re- then has to and scramble. And then he's like, to- "Oh shit." <laughs> Oops! He really is a cowboy, he really hey, Roy is, Rogers. He really is. Call me Roy, Roy. <laughs> An <ass> back. <laughs> and then, of course, like looping it all, closing it all together with Ellis's watch mm-hmm. that he was bragging about, and that was the like when he, in the beginning when he's like, "Show the watch," and she goes, "I'll do it later." This that was later. That's when he got to see the watch. It It really did, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm surprised Hans didn't fire off one final pop shot on his way on his way back. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess maybe I guess all the blank pieces of paper were blinding him or something (laughs) on the way down. Yeah, they really blew the copy room to smithereens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I guess one of the biggest debate questions, which I you know I've discussed. Before this, you know, on the Christmas episode and mm-hmm. people have discussed back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah. And I don't know why it's still such a hotly, like a hotly contested. Like question of whether or not it's a Christmas movie. You don't think it's debatable? Um, n- No. All right. Let's hear, uh, let's here's, hear your thoughts on that. So I had a couple of thoughts back and forth of like what I thought about it. But then I heard an interview that made all the sense in the world to me from Bruce Willis. Mm -hmm. And because of course he's a cocky son of a bitch himself, rightfully so they asked him, Hey, you know, this is a famed debate. What do you think it is? Is it an action? What do they say? An action movie or a Christmas movie? I think it's just, just,
1: is it a Christmas
0: movie or not? not. And he goes, no, it's a, it's a Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) And they just like walks off the interview (laughs) I'm sure he
1: he loves getting that question oh, a thousand yeah. times. Because he's,
0: he's probably rehearsed the answer and yeah, how he's going to walk yeah. off and all this other shit. And I was just like, well, I guess he can't argue with that.
1: What's your opinion
0: on it? Um, te- I guess technically, so if I'm going to be Don't objective be about it, if You're I'm going to be objective about it, I would say it's not a Christmas movie only because I can watch it all year round. And there's maybe one other Chris actual Christmas movie I can do that to, and that's like home alone. And that's not because of the Christmas aspect, it's because Pesci and Daniel Stern and John Candy are just like I can watch them do anything. Right. So otherwise the movie doesn't, you know, the movie holds up outside of the holiday. I think that's the only the only question you have to
1: ask is if I saw die hard pop on TV in July. What I think it's strange? Absolutely not. You wouldn't. No. You wouldn't say, why are they playing this? This is a Christmas movie. But if they start playing Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life, you're going to say... A little
0: early. Yeah, a little early. Yeah. Now, Hallmark does the Christmas in July. Sucks me right in every year. (laughs) But but everything else...
1: I think that's the only test. That is the test.
0: Yeah. It's pretty simple, I don't even remember what i what I'd said beforehand. I'll have to go back to the to the Christmas episode and even the one with my brother to see if i if I talked about it there I, if think I had an he opinion did. There. Yeah,
1: i think Nick Nick had a pretty strong opinion that it's a Christmas movie
0: yeah well, he also thinks it's a like a Hans Gruber movie where Takagi oh, is a right. bad guy. Yeah, he completely misinterpreted the plot. So I'm curious. I have to, again, I'll have to go back and listen to his thought process there. Cause I'm pretty sure I call him out or disagree with him wholeheartedly. there. Well, I, I, don't I, know. I
1: understand how people can get sucked into thinking that because it's played group think in, in concert with the Christmas story and home alone and elf. And it's a wonderful life. All those great ones. Yeah.
0: But, and it's, and it takes place in like, they're at a Christmas party got it yeah and there's that's a tree there people
1: yeah but but you would never see it outside of the christmas season and say they shouldn't be playing this no it's not christmas and
0: diehard 2 takes place in the same time frame mm-hmm. it's another holiday time frame where he's trying to fly out somewhere right or fly back from somewhere or whatever so uh that's not even nobody questions that whatsoever no nope. and i don't know why because they make just as much mention to holiday's as they do in the first one. Mm-hmm. So and I think they end it with the same song. Yeah. The uh, Christmas song by Whoever Sings It Boris Karloff or some shit. So that's another one we should really dive into.
1: Number is, two is two and three. Yeah. Two I, two is pretty solid. I um, think I mean, I, Yeah, three, I th- three is solid too. I think they're all good,
0: but yeah see three is really good because Hans Gruber's brother um iron Michael Irons, whatever. Right. He's an incredible actor, and he plays such a good bad guy, and like really a diabolical guy in that movie. And plus, Sam Jackson's in it. Um, but two is super underrated, I think.
1: So two, you have um, the who is it the the guy who was the senator,
0: Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson, yeah, senator New as Yorker the air like traffic
1: uh, control. Yeah, the lead supervisor.
0: Yeah, or I don't know if he was the airport supervisor or what. Yeah. yeah. Let's rack them, stack them, and crack them. Yeah, get these bulls on the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the outer marker,
0: yeah, the, guy, the big puffy coat, that little guy. Yeah, <laughs> he played a good part. No, right. I never, I, never, I never, I haven't seen him since. No, but, no I don't know what he would be in. Uh, and then Sippowitz played the yeah, standard. Right, he was in DC with a Chicago accent, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also like just saying like uh, all the reference. Oh, we know it because we live here, but all the references to that being in D.C. Oh, yeah. 30 miles outside D.C. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, it's in the heart of D.C. according to the movie. And they actually, the airport itself in the film, I actually looked this up a while ago, it was filmed in L.A., most of it. Most of it was L.A. LA airport. And then there was like a, uh, some closed down airport that they did a lot of shit in. Yeah. So Hmm. none of it was realistic. I've actually watched three more than two. Yeah, me too. They play it more on mm-hmm. TV. Yeah, because I think because they have some more heavy hitters. Yeah, like Sam Jackson. Yeah, they love him. What the hell are you doing, McLean? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, a good like the good Simon Says trickery and stuff. Yeah, that they made him yeah. do every
1: every time you heard Simon make a phone call, you're like, I don't know what's next. Yeah,
0: that was a fun like
1: thing to follow. It took me a few dozen times watching that movie to figure out. How they solved the water jug riddle. I had to watch the five three over one again. Yes, whatever it was. Yes. Yeah, because they talk through it so fast of like agreeing on the solution of I oh, take that five gallon jug, three gallon fill this with three gallon, double it in four gallons, and they all just kind of like mumble through it and and say you're a genius, McLean. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, actually, that's true. And so I had to I had to really break down what do they the math, did. yeah. And then, then it made sense, but I don't
0: even—I still don't remember.
1: They only had one five-gallon jug, right? They had a five-gallon jug and they had a three-gallon jug,
0: and they had to get four gallons. They had to
1: fill the five-gallon jug with exactly four gallons of water.
0: That's right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So they filled the five-gallon jug with uh, three gallons of water.
0: So they filled the three
1: gallon, they dump it into the five gallon. So now they have two gallons of empty space, right? And then um, fill the three-gallon jug. Again? hmm And then dump it into the five-gallon jug. So that leaves one, one gallon, gallon left in the, the three-gallon three gallon jug. jug. Right.
0: Okay. Now, so then they dump the five-gallon empty, dump that one gallon of from the three yep. into the five, and then a full three into the five, right. four gallons. That's it. We did it. That's it. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way they figured that there's out. There's no that way quickly. some under duress. Yeah, some stressed out, broken, like New <laughs> York cop and, and his electric, his angry electrician buddy, who doesn't even like him. They're gonna figure that out that quickly with the time running out. It took two. It took two alphas just now. What a minute. Can you hotwire this car? Yeah.
1: There's just one problem. Takes too damn long. <laughs>
0: Stupid. <laughs> that was a fun one. I think that's that why they play it more because of the acting, like the high, the better actors. And then it was just a fun. It has quality. its share
1: of ridiculous scenes. Oh, for sure. McLean pulling the splinter out of his shoulder. Yeah, to that's. Pick the lock.
0: Yeah, that's wild. What about
1: a splinter from one of those cables?
0: Yeah, ah! s- Stand by. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the toughest like in in movies of people trying to escape stuff that was the most unrealistic i've seen where mm-hmm. that and maybe no not even no it was that i was gonna say uh indiana jones and the last crusade where mm-hmm. they were trying to burn the the rope mm-hmm. um but they didn't even get through that they, mm-hmm. they burned the house down instead right right but that was unrealistic and number two i liked it but it was more serious than three it wasn't as well, like they involve
1: involved like children school bombs as soon as they involve like there's a bomb in a school it's big time and, and like the, the whole the opening scene of the movie is a terrorist attack on the subway in the third one the third one yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean they open with a bang like the right. explosion
0: yeah and but it all played into each other yeah and they even they even talked through the the school because that was a decoy bomb, right? To get right. to get them to waste time, I think, mm-hmm. while they were rolling out their uh, gold bullion, yeah, just
1: to get everyone out of um, the financial district,
0: right? Yeah, and then the the first attack in the subway was what closed off a certain area so that they have access to it by themselves. Mm-hmm. It was all yep. very well thought out. Yep. The second one was they had a lot of, like, a good thought out plan for their goals, but it was just more serious, like. Mm-hmm it wasn't as let's follow along and see if we could solve these riddles as well. It was just, yeah, it was a little cheeky
1: with the whole, like um that whole military unit, like being in on that it.
0: secret and, unit yeah, that just happened. Now right. they're in, like they're right. all, and not just the guy, not like, just the, they
1: happen to be the ones responding. They happen to be the ones that took over and
0: yeah, everything was pl- like, that's not how it works in real yeah, life. You yeah. don't, The like you don't as a terrorist you don't get to custom request what military unit comes after you. Yeah, right, right. And even if you think you know, like, oh, you know, they'll they'll send out the elite, you know, teams to go after us. There's like dozens of versions of the elite teams that they can pick anyone at any given time. Like, not everyone is like, it's not one team always on call forever. The
1: same ten guys,
0: right? It's (laughs) like. No, they're on rotations. They're depending on the location. They have to have people ready everywhere all the time. So the odds of them picking his old college buddy or whatever the hell he was to go and and get the whole team on board, too. Not just the leader.
1: They all had to be paid. They
0: all had to be like really elite, highly trained military operatives. And they all had to be bad guys (laughs) that really know how to drive a snowmobile. Yeah, not not likely. Right. (laughs) So but it was still fun. But what I want to do really is got to get my uh, Nikki sticks yeah, on yeah. and talk through it. So, because we have to really unpack some of his, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. to deep dive some of the theories that he's got in his little cockamamie yeah, brain up right. there. Cause I would love to get to the bottom of the Takagi antagonist theory.
1: Yeah. That's a yeah. wild I'm one. I'm not quite there yet myself.
0: Considering he was the first to die in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. He's not the victim. He's the bad. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Trust me. He's coming back. <laughs> but I guess we could cut it there. Yeah. Up. You got anything else in your notes? No, no, that was it. We yeah. Everything. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get you back on. We'll, yeah. we'll talk. We could talk shop, some, you know, again some other time. We'll get we'll get Nick on. We'll talk more die hard. That's enough. Like that's, a, that's a fun forever. saga. Yeah. Yeah. I can you know talk about it all day. So we'll get you back on. Before we go, though, got to talk about the big three. Let's do it. As you know. So for those who don't listen, the three things I say that I think if you do every day and try to do every day, it'll help you be a happier, better, more positive, less stressed person in your life. And that'll kind of carry over to other people's lives. So number one, exercise every day. Just do something. You, you do it. You have a full-time job and a kid, and you still find the time to do it. Even if it's something little, you're doing it in, in front of the TV with the kids. Strapped to get moving. Whatever. Anything to get moving. And it helps you physically, mentally, emotionally. Number two, probably the toughest one and the easiest to forget about is don't be a shitty person. I think one of the easiest things nowadays is to get get behind the keyboard, the keyboard cowboy, the text message tough guy, whatever you want to call it, and be that like shitbag troll to somebody who you think is like, oh, it's just an Instagram handle. I'll just fire off a shit talk and be done with it. I showed them, I really got that jab in, but they're a human being. And anybody who has gotten bullied as a kid or has gotten hate online knows it feels shitty because you know, like this person doesn't know me. They don't know anything about what I've gone through and how this affects me. So think about that before you go and and fire off those shit talks. And then number three, I think the most important one is to be genuinely thankful and grateful for all the good that you have in your lives. It's really easy to get lost in the fog of the negative day to day especially when that's like the media's profit playbook is to push out negativity it's easy to just get engulfed by that and think everything is bad and everything's an obstacle if you change your mindset slowly but surely change your mindset to think about all the good in your lives and be grateful for it your attitude will be more positive you'll be thinking about the good on a more regular basis and that carries over that spreads to other people and i always say good is just as contagious as bad we just don't see it as often because bad, you know, negative sells better right now. So, remember those big three, Terrence. This is all. I'm grateful for you being able to do this. This was awesome. Likewise, again for having me. I could do. We could, you know, I could do this every day. I know you have a life, <laughs> so we can't. <laughs> but we do have to get that footage out to the people one of these days. The locker room talk. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll break it up yeah, into we'll, a couple of different like, we'll teaser clips yeah. or something, but we'll get that out there. Thank you again for, for sacrificing your time to be here with us. Thank we'll get you. you back on. you have any uh, social medias you want to put out there? No. I don't think so. Nothing? No, no. Nothing no. you want to advertise? Nothing. All right, good. You can find them in nowhere. Time. Yeah. You don't so. need to find Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys every day. Uh, I love you all. Stay strong.